And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the AJ Brown Show. My name is Cyprian Francis, and with me, as always, the main man of the hour, AJ Brown. Good morning, AJ. Hey, Cyprian. How you doing, man? Doing well. Today is March 4th, 2022, already in the third month of the year, and things are continuing to be hectic, not on the virus front, but we're still talking about war in i think day eight or nine of the actual conflict um what are you seeing on your end well i mean what i'm seeing is that that is the topic matter that's engulfing investors minds right uh we had an amazing employment report this morning on a couple of different fronts and that news was pretty much overshadowed by uh the headlines you know the headlines, especially the one from last night with uh, nuclear power plants uh, under attack. So that's, uh, and and from what I, when I dig down into that news headline, it seems like, you know, things are safe, but it's just the fear, right? And we talk a lot about that in the form of implied volatility when we're talking about options. There's just a lot of fear. Yeah, and that's what I keep hearing one of the one of the discussions that i'm seeing on the news channels this morning is is the u.s market becoming a flight of safety compared to the other markets around the world and i think the answer is is a maybe right because we're not as unless until we get the energy part figured out um we can self-suffice and continue to be a strong economy so there is an argument there Yeah. And not only that, uh, I've been talking every week about let's watch the bond prices. Now, in the previous weeks, I've been talking about the bond prices with respect to what investors believe the long term inflation outlook is like. But this past week, especially the bond prices have dropped Uh, and the reason or not the interest rate has dropped. The reason why is because there's a flood of money going into our bond market when people are afraid. They throw their money into U.S. debt. And so, you know, that's something to be said. I don't think that has to do. In other words, that indicator I use that gives us a view into what investors think about long term inflation. That's now been disconnected because so much money is flowing in artificially just because there's no better place to put it. Right, right. Um, And so the news that you uh, were referring to uh, that's kind of hitting the markets today is uh, there were some clips that came out of um, the largest nuclear plant in Mm -hmm. Europe having some fire. Um, It it didn't look like anything exploded, but the chatter was, well, if it does, you know, that could be really, really bad and comparable Mm -hmm. to the Chernobyl explosion that happened many years ago and so i think mm-hmm. generally the the mar- the world would be a little bit worried about something like that happening yeah absolutely and so anything of risk is being sold off because of this i mean if we p- take a look at my chart i always have that s&p 500 up one of the things that we've been watching here is this level of 4300 uh and we're at that level we're actually dipping our toe right below that level. Now, you and I have constructed this descending line of support, which right now is around 4,100. I wouldn't be surprised if if things keep being negative in the news headlines and the talking heads keep fixating on it if we don't get down to that level, if that makes sense. Yeah, and um, the news... The economic news for the day for the week is the monthly jobs number, which I don't necessarily think is moving is affecting any of the the market players today. Everyone's still keeping an eye on the war stuff. Yeah, we should definitely um, talk about that, though. We should definitely. So here's the you know, I always like my 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 folks to delve into those news headlines and not just trust what the talking heads have been saying about them. And so if we take a look at what was actually uh, released, if we take a look at what's actually been released, uh, yeah, there we go. We had really stellar uh, 
job creation, right? We were expecting 390,000 jobs to be created, and instead 678,000 jobs were created. That's actually really phenomenal. And also the number from last month was revised higher. So instead of 467, which is what we reported, they came back and they said actually more jobs were created. That employment rate has dropped, which usually gets people kind of happy. This is what I like to look at that is very seldomly reported on. This is the participation rate. So this is telling us that, you know, 62.3% of the population is actually involved in these numbers here. That means almost like, what, 37.7% of the people are not in the job force here in the United States. And so I'd like to see this number go up. It didn't go up at all, uh, but that just tells you how many people are bringing themselves back into the job world. Um, I've seen it as strong as 68 uh, 69%. And then you've got like a full on working, um, you know, country. But here's the one that I think is most interesting. And this has to do with the Fed meeting that's coming up in two weeks. And that is what we call the monthly uh, average hourly earnings. And so the monthly average hourly earnings, they were expecting it to go up again by a half a percent. It was flat. And so what that tells us is the Fed's meeting in two weeks and they're deciding whether it's going to be 25 basis points or 0.25% or 0.5% increase. The 0.5% increase would probably send Wall Street uh, dropping. Uh, Jerome Powell's been, you know, saying, you know, hinting pretty strongly at this number. And this number is supported by not having wages going up incredibly. So, uh, you know, this is good news for investors. This takes a little bit more of the uncertainty out of what's going to be happening in March. Yeah, and I think the there's no doubt that the interest rates are going to be increasing um, just a matter of how many times this year and, and how much. Exactly. Um, and that's not necessarily bad for the market, like, We've no. been at zero for too long. Inflation's too high. I, it's it's a natural process. Yep. Um, so that uh, hourly wait, wait, what was it called? The hourly average hourly earnings. Uh, very interesting stat to keep an eye on. Yeah, you could see for the year it was up five point one percent, which is what was getting people kind of, you know, worried because when you talk about inflation. You're not just talking about the prices at the pump or the prices at, uh, you know, the grocery store. It's also the inflation affects how much people are earning. So if you start to see that that tempers, in other words, they were expecting the annual inflation to go up to 5.8%. It stayed low, 5.1%. And this month, especially, there was no growth in wages. That might mean that naturally... Inflation is kind of tempering itself and the Fed doesn't have to intervene to the great extents that they thought they might have to or that they were hinting was possible. So the less that the Fed has got, you know, gets involved and the more that we allow this to happen naturally, then that means more, you know, confidence in what your investments are going to do. Investors don't get as freaked out. Yeah. And just the natural jobs growth. It, uh, data is a good sign that we're really starting to get out of this this virus mentality. Businesses are recovering, so so that's really positive to hear and see. Um, but you know, we've got this war brewing, which is really kind of hampering anything else that uh, we would we would be keeping an eye on. All right, so, so I go got to show you this. I got to show you this. This is the VIX volatility index, and. You can see here over the last weeks as this war has been building and then it finally conflict occurred, what, eight, nine, ten days ago, and it's been going since then. This is how uncertain investors are. So despite getting that really uh, amazing employment report, investors are still worried. Uh, this, if, if I zoom out here, this is a six-month chart, but let's go out, uh, let's even go out ten years Look, this number is, uh, this is where we were with the pandemic announcement. And so 
you can see over the previous 10 years, besides the pandemic, we have never been this high or fearful, right? We were getting nice and low, and then this has happened, and we were spiking in fear, which, by the way, uh, for us that sell premium, we're on the correct side of the equation when it comes to fear. In other words, people are buying instruments out there to uh, make themselves not feel as fearful. They're buying insurance policies. So where should we be? We should be the ones who are selling those insurance policies. In other words, we should be selling options. And that's exactly what uh, you like the you, you enjoy to preach to uh, new members, new investors. It is a very um, safe strategy, safer strategy to approaching uh, a volatile market and a market that's been falling as we've been covering the last few weeks. And as you've just pulled up on the screen, um, the S&P is kind of do, pulling back to that level that we discussed and um, might actually break through it. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not a big investor who believes in magic. You know, there's folks out there who will tell you about Elliott Waves and the magic of Fibonacci price retracement lines. Uh, if you're an Elliott Wave follower, you might be believing that this is the end, right? And that the next move is going to be a move up. But, uh, you know, a lot of times the Elliott Wave folks can only say, I told you so, but they you know, they can't tell you stuff happening real time. With that said, I'm watching closely 4,300 and 4,100. That would validate this down channel that we're in. Um, so I'm watching those levels carefully, but I'm also watching just like we had, if you remember, we had a wedge pattern that formed up here. And finally, the underlying symbol, in this case, the S&P 500 broke down. I'm watching this new wedge pattern of this descending level of resistance and this 4,300. Something's going to happen here. Either we're going to break up or break down, but I can guarantee you. And if you look at where this is kind of uh, culminating, it's in two weeks when the Fed makes its announcement. Yeah, so the prime I think setup that for some action. Some action, either up or down. Our job, if we're going to be on the right side of selling into that implied volatility, is to find boring stocks and sell premium against them such that when this happens, those boring stocks probably won't be affected very much. Yeah, and I think we have a few that we're going to go over from some of the guests that have provided mm -hmm. provided questions. Um, and so as a reminder, anybody watching, uh, watching for the first time, feel free to hit that subscribe and follow button. We're doing our, our best to provide you with some really good content and answer any of the questions that you might have. Um, with that, uh, let's go ahead and uh, run our little commercial. So if, if you haven't gone in and checked out AJ's workshop, he does. Uh, we have a workshop that's running every day for you to come in, um, learn some of these initial strategies and just see what premium selling is all about. So we're going to go ahead and run that. Um, in the meantime, if anybody has any questions, feel free to drop them in the chat, and we'll see if we can get to them. Uh, in the meantime, here's our little commercial. I get it. You're afraid of trading in the markets. Guess what? I've got your answer. I've got four strategies I'm going to give you, along with the tools to make it super easy. I'm going right home giving you the webinar. I need you to sign up below and meet me in a few minutes. All right, wonderful. Just added the link in the chat, so feel free to head on over there and sign up. All right, let's go into our we're going to need to come up with a name for this for this little section of the show where we where we do the stock rundown, but uh, the first question on our board is going to be about Hewlett Packard. I imagine that's a pretty boring company these days. Yeah, I this is mine. I want to feature this because uh, it kind of gives us an idea. Now, Hewlett Packard has two symbols, right? 
HP Incorporated, which is HPQ. That's what we're looking at. That's their bread and butter business, right? That's their printers and, you know, all of that good stuff. They also have a ticker symbol called HPE, which is uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprises. This is a spinoff of them where it's their uh, business that goes in on the enterprise level and works on solutions for companies and things like that. Uh, but we're looking at HPQ, the bread and butter business. Remember, boring is where it's at for premium sellers. And as you can see here, we have some tested support around $34. And we have some tested resistance around $38.50. And when I say that, I'm talking about we're in a medium duration channeling, uh, sideways channeling movement for Hewlett Packard, but the short duration trends are oscillating between this support resistance, which actually makes that support and resistance stronger. Every time you test resistance, it gets stronger. Every time you test support, it gets stronger. But a lot of people are saying, well, what do I do on the travel from one to the other, right? We make our decisions, we take our actions at these reversals, but on the travel, it doesn't mean we sit idly by. Right now, you can see we're right in the middle of the channel. Uh, let me zoom in here a little bit so you can see what I'm talking about. The middle of the channel, the exact halfway point is at $36.25. But the middle of our channel, if you go a little bit on either side, is about $35.72 to $36.78. We're right in the middle of that channel. We've been closing there for the last two days. All day today, we're trading in this zone. This is the time when we should be either planning out our trade on this symbol, or if we've already got a plan on this symbol, this is the best time in order to update that plan. When we're in the center of the channel, we can create a risk model of the worst case scenario. The worst case possible premium trade is when we're in the center of the channel and we decide to do um, a buy right or a short right type transaction all at the same moment. And so if you remember with our risk modeling, what we like to do is get the worst case scenario. So today is how you can model the worst case scenario. Once you know the worst case scenario, what's the maximum risk that you can see in doing this position, you can then use that in order to calculate position sizing. So every time we cross, cross the center of the channel in any of our premium selling positions, that's the time that to not sit idly by. But instead, this is the time where we take a moment and we update our trade plan so that when we do hit those peaks and those troughs, we have the best, you know, intel on how to trade this position moving forward. So I wanted to highlight this one because today, you know, this evening uh, after the market closes would be a good time for you to update your plan on Hewlett Packard Incorporated uh, for your Monday trading. And then what, what time frame are you kind of looking at in order for any trade to actually be triggered? So it looks like, and, and Hewlett Packard's moving uh, nice sideways, uh, SIP, which means that uh, a couple things. When we have a symbol that's, you know, in a nice sideways channel like this, where there's really no uh, tilt up or down with the trend, those are our best performers for selling premium. They're going to give us the most reliable paychecks uh, every time we sell premium. So I, I, I search these out. I look for these needles in the haystack. The other good thing about that is that it doesn't matter whether we start the investment at a top or at a bottom. Uh, so in this case, since we're crossing the middle here, the next thing on our radar is another top. And so it looks like we would be able to start a position, leg into the first part of a position, maybe in the next three, four, five days, sometime next week, once a top has been found. And then, of course, as it travels down, we accrue uh, value. And then once it hits the bottom, that's when we set up our trade zone and make that paycheck 
So I'm thinking the first part of legging into the position is probably going to happen by the end of next week. And then the second part is probably going to be, um, I would imagine, towards the middle, if not end of March. And so the little blue dot and the little green dot at the bottom, those are earnings and what else? This is the dividend that they offer. So dividends, that's a good good observation. Dividends are, uh, as you know, a company issues dividends to the shareholders. When you see that a company gives a dividend, especially a dividend that's on the higher side, like 25 cents per share, if you think about it, Anybody who buys a $35 stock, it looks like four times a year, they're going to get $0.25 per share. I mean, that's a a pretty good ROI for just owning this stock, which means that the investors are not actually going to go and demand or put pressure on Hewlett-Packard to try to make their stock price go up because they're perfectly happy just owning the stock and collecting the dividend. That is something that as premium sellers, when we think that sideways moving stocks are the best stocks for our strategy, we look for good dividends because good dividends mean that it's going to stay going sideways or it's one more indication that the investors aren't going to try to push the company to get go higher or go, you know, go lower. Sure. And usually that earnings date or or number does help push to certain levels but seems like we've passed that so we're kind of you know maybe more so correlated to the overall market the next couple of days weeks you know the last full-time job i had was at hewlett packard and hewlett packard is one of those mature companies that's quite boring and so i have no thought in the world you know these earnings if you look at them they don't change very much. 94 cents last time, $1.10 this time, you know, a difference of 16 cents. Um, it's just a solid performer. The other thing I can say about dividends, by the way, is if you decide to do like a covered call writing t- uh, strategy, you get this bonus. So by owning the stock and selling premium against it, you also get to collect the dividend. So that's one more source of income that you can throw in on these premium selling positions if you go that route. Yeah, I mean, I think a dividend always helps most investors. So a uh, wonderful example. We'll keep an eye out on that. We'll add it to the list. Uh, let's go ahead and jump through some of the some of the um, audience User questions. Picks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll start with Bob in Decatur, Illinois, um, who's wondering about cat which i believe is a company in his neighborhood actually yeah i think that illinois is all about caterpillar you know caterpillar falls into uh a sector with other companies that i i I know about this because i've been trading premium against caterpillar since i started trading premium which was about 25 years ago uh caterpillar deer is another one ticker de Another one is Cummins Diesel, CMI. You'll notice they all have very similar patterns. So my answer for Bob is this is a fantastic symbol. In fact, again, I always like to take a step back. So here we are looking at six months. Let's look back at two years. And so you can see since about uh, May of last year, uh, Caterpillar has stopped being in an ascending channel and has gone back to being boring. I've noticed this about Caterpillar because I have been a longtime follower of Caterpillar. Let's go back even farther. Let's go 10 years. And you can see that Caterpillar has these moments. Each one of these bars, by the way, now represents a whole month of price action. Caterpillar has these moments where for years it'll be boring. Then something usually having to do with like, Uh, the stimulus for infrastructure. Uh, There was a big stimulus for infrastructure after the 2008 fall. And then there was a little bit of building that happened during 2015, 2016. So you'll see the need for like construction machinery go high. Then it gets boring again. Then it goes up. Then it gets boring. And it spends more time being sideways and boring than it does, you know, going up. So my Knee-jerk reaction for Bob is, first of all, 
let's make sure we're clear about understanding when this particular stock changes personality. When does it start to become a trending stock rather than a sideways channeling stock? You have to have that clear. You don't want to be caught by surprise. With that said, I think Caterpillar is a fantastic symbol to be trading premium on. I do have to say that Caterpillar over the years has gotten quite expensive, which means if you're going to be trading premium on it, you're probably going to have a very large portfolio, meaning you're going to be trading about $100,000 or more in order to be trading premium on Caterpillar. I think some of the other ones, let's see, Deer. Uh, Deer is even more expensive. Let's take a look at Cummins. Uh, and Cummins is expensive. All of these companies had been, are, are quite expensive, but there's plenty of liquidity on the options chain. I would say now, right this minute, is a good time to either be buying some of the stock. By the way, speak about dividend. If you can afford the Caterpillar stock and you can buy lots of 100 shares, uh, Caterpillar stock is at a good place right now. I have a buy signal on my fast MACD. And it looks like that buy signal actually got follow through the, uh, yesterday. So you might be considering buying some Caterpillar stock um, and then waiting for a moment for it to appreciate. You allow it to appreciate unfettered with a stop loss order to protect yourself, but allow it to appreciate. And then once it gets to its top, that's our opportunity to then lock in our gains and also put in some protection, create that certainty by both buying a protective option three to six months out down here with a strike price around your buy point, as well as selling some premium to offset that price uh, that you pay for the protection, selling some premium overhead, maybe above that 230 or 225 level. Now's not the time to be uh, setting that up. That comes once it uh, it peaks out. Right now, Bob, might be a great opportunity. Maybe wait for the weekend to go by, see what happens on Monday. Uh, but might be a good opportunity to buy some cat if you can afford it. Yeah, and if we and if we think about it from a um, global perspective, I assume there's going to be a lot of demand for equipment and stuff, right? Like we're, we're blowing rebuilding. up these giant buildings. <laughs> yeah, rebuilding is is always intensive, isn't it? All right. Thanks, Bob. Uh, the next user question is from Tim in, is it Corning, New York? Yeah. Corning, New York, named after the company that's based there, Corning Glass. Uh, JetBlue, which uh, we've covered, uh, I believe, a, a few times on a number of episodes. We like the airlines, don't we? I like the airlines. Airlines are another sector where you can be selling premium ongoing uh, I think we did feature JetBlue maybe 10 weeks ago or something. It was towards the beginning of when we started our show here. Uh, JetBlue is testing its level of support. And one thing I'd say here, Tim, is uh, we want to use a lagging indicator, not a leading indicator, to guide our uh, identification of bottoms or tops. And so right now, leading indicators are saying, hey, this is extremely oversold. Uh, it can't get any lower than this. But leading indicators are really trying to forecast the future, and oftentimes they're wrong. So I want to use what's called a lagging indicator, maybe a moving average crossing. Or I like this fast MACD from the guys over at the MACD uh, group. Uh, it's the 6, 19, and 3. Uh, versus the 12, 26, and 9, so, which is the default MACD. This is a little bit faster for us premium sellers. You want to set your fast moving average at 6, your slow moving average at 19, and then your moving average, uh, the moving average divergence line at 3. Keep it at exponential. Um, and so I'm waiting to have the MACD cross back above its level. That'll give me one of these arrows, a green arrow to even think about it. So give this a second to settle down. Today is not the day to be doing any sort of transactions on JetBlue. The other thing you may want to consider, we just got through talking about how uh, Hewlett Packard is going perfectly sideways. JetBlue has a little bit of a downtrend to it. And so if I go back one year, uh, you can see that after it had a big downtrend, 
it kind of leveled off, but it's ever so slightly trending down. And so, again, I like to get all of my investment cylinders firing on the same level. I'm not just in it for the quick buck. And so if I really want to take advantage of this downtrend, this ever so slight downtrend, in addition to my premium selling, it might make sense for me uh, and you. Um, I wrote down Tim. It's Tim, right, Zip? It's Tim. Okay. It might make sense to just be patient with JetBlue and allow it instead of uh, trying to take action in the next couple of days on this bottom being found. Let's wait for a top to be found and start our position with a top. And the reason is, is if we start our position, if we leg into either shorting some JetBlue, you'll notice JetBlue doesn't offer any sort of dividend. So owning the stock isn't a benefit to us. So if we wait for a top and we short some JetBlue, or we don't have to short JetBlue, we could also uh, buy a put, a deep in the money, far out in time put option on JetBlue, which is a perfect substitute for shorting the stock. Shorting the stock, as you know, um, the, the stock price will drop, which makes shorting the stock go up in value. Well, so does a put, right? A put acts like the uh, underlying stock dollar for dollar, but it's in the opposite direction. So if the stock goes down a dollar, the put goes up a dollar. So we can substitute shorting the stock with buying a deep in the money back month put. Um, so either one of those, but I'd wait for the top. And now you're positioned not only to make the income from selling premium and rolling out our protection, but also that initial position, the covering position will appreciate whether it's a deep in the money, far out in time put or shorting the stock, it'll appreciate in the long term. So anything we can do to get every ounce of income out of these positions is worth our while. Yeah. And JetBlue uh, is at that price point that makes uh, premium selling and options trading really, really fun and exciting and, and for everybody. Very, fe very feasible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I This is good for probably a portfolio as low as like $5,000, you know, like uh, uh, you could have a very small portfolio. Plus JetBlue's traded a lot. So you've got a lot of liquidity on it. I like it. Yeah, and the uh, the airline industry is kind of a hot sector, you know, due to energy costs. All the uh, airspaces are getting shut down and blocked, so a lot of you know potential for for movement. Interesting about JetBlue, I think JetBlue's uh, in the news right now because one of its pilots had to be. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, he was like, uh, he was three times over the alcohol limit before yeah. flying. Yeah, and he's like, plane. he's like, I only had one drink this morning, but he had like nine like hard cocktails the night before, and he showed up, and they, uh, I think somebody noticed that he was a little bit, uh, and it was somebody you know of authority, right? A, a police person. I'm not sure who I, but they gave him a breathalyzer, and they're like, dude, you cannot fly this plane. Well, thank God someone stepped up. <laughs> um, all right. Our third uh, ticker that we're looking at, I believe, is uh, Morrison. Is that what? I, uh, Marion, Huntsville, Marian, Alabama. Marion. Yeah. And we're looking at Pets, P-E-T-S. Yeah, this is Pet Med Express. This is a company that got my attention um, during the pandemic when we were all locked up. Uh, it was now. It, it's been around for a hot minute, but it didn't really gain any sort of excitement with investors because people are, you know, they got their habits. So when they wanted medicine for their pets, they'd go to the vet, or you know. And so this online buying medicine for your pets was not anything that was gaining traction until the pandemic, right? Then at the pandemic, nobody wants to be around each other. All of a sudden, all these online e-commerce sites jump to to uh, popularity, including buying your pet's medicine online. And pet meds 
really jumped up on that news. And what happened during the pandemic is a lot of people who were resistant or didn't have a need to go online uh, to, to buy stuff, all of a sudden were going online to buy stuff and they were figuring it out and it changed behavior, right? And people were like, oh, you know, this learning curve wasn't as high as I had perceived it to be. And now uh, I can do it. I know how to do my banking online. I know how to uh, buy my groceries online. I know how to buy things from Amazon and I don't have to go to the, the, the store to buy things. In fact, I know how to buy my medicine for my pets online now. And so now that things are opening up, the question is, is how many people are actually going to when now you can just do it on your phone and people have now switched to doing that, which what, you know, the barrier to change was quite high before. But now that they're doing it, they realize, God, it's going to be a pain in the ass to go to my vet to get pet meds when I can just do it on my phone. And so that's promising. Uh, so let's take a look at the, the chart now that I, I gave that. Great dividends. I mean, for the price of the stock to be offering 30 cents, I mean, that's very good. They're profitable. Their earnings, every uh, earnings has been high. Uh, but I don't see um, a pattern that's so friendly for premium selling. But what I do see is if we go back to thinking about retracements, we have a nice gentle, which usually means it's long lasting uptrend forming. And so what I would say here, uh, Mary from Huntsville, Alabama, is that I think that you should just leverage options for their uh, ability to profit on directional moves. So I would find an option maybe three, four strike prices in the money. Uh, that would be a safe bet, maybe about three to six months out in time. And I would buy that sucker and allow this thing to appreciate. It's probably going to appreciate. It looks like it could go as high as $29, $30. And I would just make my money that way. Or if you want to, just buy the stock. And if it's a long-term play for you, then take advantage of the dividend. In fact, if you want to get pet med uh, in your portfolio as a long-term play, this is where uh, writing those cash-secured naked puts could be helpful. Because you could say, for instance, I'd like to put pet med into my portfolio at the $25 price mark. So you sell, let's take a look. Let's go ahead and look at the option chain. And you'll do this near term in March, $25 put. I could make 77 cents a share. So I can make 77 cents a share. I'll have my $25 set per share so that I could buy the stock at that price. And so now it's just a matter. I'll make that 77 cents a share. And if anybody between now and March 18th wants to go ahead and give me that stock at $25, I can get it at $25, which is at this point about a dollar less than the retail price. Otherwise, March 18th rolls around, I get to keep that 77 and a half cents no matter what, and I'll just keep doing that every month saying anybody wants to fill my order at $25, go ahead and do it. I've got the $25 setting here to buy that stock, but in the meantime, if nobody does, just let me, you know, pay me a little uh, income. So that's where that cash secured naked put strategy works really well. So I could see doing that as well. And then once you have the stock at that discounted price, you could um, own it, sell some premium against it every month or look for it to go up and sell it, but yeah, buy and, it at a discount. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and, and this might actually be an industry that isn't so much affected by geopolitical events because the consistency of people having to to buy things for their pets i mean i'm i don't <laughs> see there being many supply issues things like that so uh could turn into a, a nice boring play moving forward yeah. yeah uh this is one that i would consider if my portfolio wasn't fully vested 
I might consider uh, jumping in on some of this pet med, uh, just a small amount, uh, because it's a very speculative story, but I could see having this as a long-term position. Awesome. So thanks to Marion. Um, and our final question comes from Brian in Austin, Texas, who is also, I believe, asking about a local company, and that is Cisco. Uh, so Cisco. Um, and I think that Brian might work at Cisco because Brian was talking about how he has accumulated Cisco stock through an um, employee purchase. He may work there now or he may had have worked there um, in the past. And so he was asking, he's like, I got all this Cisco stock. I was able to buy it through an employee purchase program. So in case some of you guys don't know, some of these bigger corporations, I know I we had this at Hewlett Packard when I worked there uh, back in the day. Um, you, you, They give you an opportunity to buy stock at a discount. Um, and so you buy company stock at a discount. And I think the requirements are that you own it for like a year and then you can do whatever you want with it. And so uh, he's got this stock and he's talking about selling it. What's the best way to sell it? And I remember because I was trading options, you know, for the for eight years while I was working at Hewlett Packard. So uh, I remember that people would as soon as their stock became available to them, they would have big purchases like I want to go buy a new car for my kid or I want to go get a new living room or remodel the bathroom or the kitchen, whatever. And they would say, I'm going to use my stock and I'm going to just going to sell it. And I'd say to them, how urgent do you need to buy XYZ? Because what you can do is write covered calls and most of them would glaze over and be like, I don't know what that means. But the scoop that I'm trying to say is, say you own this stock. Instead of just selling it outright, why don't we do something like this? Very similar to what we were talking about buying um, pet meds at a set price. And if you can't get that price, at least you make the monthly premium. If you own stock and you want to sell it, why don't we sell it, write a covered call? So we could write a covered call, for instance, at this 58 price. You know, right now we're trading at 55.90, but if you would be happy with collecting $58 a share, which is much more than what the retail price is, and you're not in a rush, you could sell the 58 call. Because think about what selling that call means. Let's take a look and see what we would do if we got the eight. The $58 call is going for about 53 cents a share. So I could sell that thing, make some money, some pocket change, and I will or I will not by March 18th be able to get $58 for each of my shares. If I don't get the $58, fine. I'll do it again for the third Friday of April, and I'll keep uh, rolling it out, collecting that money every month until finally I get the price I want, which is $58 a share. Because the call option says... You who buys it, you have the right to pay me $58 or whatever the strike price is for that stock between now and the expiration date. So if you don't want to do that, fine, but you paid me for that right anyway. So every month I can continue... Yeah, and I can even change it. You know, next month I may say, well, now it's been a month. Maybe now I want to set it at $59. Maybe somebody will give me $59. So you sell the $59 strike price. You choose the price at which you'll sell your stock at. And it somebody is going to pay you a premium in order to have that right to buy your stock at that price. That's the better way to do it. Yes, it may take some time. It may take as much as like six months to a year. But each month that you do this, you collect a whole like paycheck. You, It just makes sense to do it this way. Uh, the only thing is, is you can't get your instant gratification to go out and buy something that'll probably lose value in the first few months that you own it anyway. 
Yeah, I think uh, premium selling is a great strategy for anyone that's accumulating stock from a business or a company, right? Because you don't have that feeling of loss, right? Like if if it goes against you, you don't have like, you know, this, this and, and you can make it up with the with the covered call premiums. So mm -hmm. uh, we may have to, you know, do a little something else on that, because I, I do think there's a lot of people, like you said, that acquire the stock and then just want to sell it, not knowing that these coupon payments can be really, really nice over time. The big thing is both with this and with PetMed, uh, PetMed, uh, we were talking about the price that we would be willing to pay for it. And uh, Cisco, we were talking about locking in the price that we would gladly accept for selling the stock. This is the price we would gladly accept for buying the stock. Notice the certainty, especially right now in these uncertain times, I'm locking in a price for either buying or selling my stock. That's a guaranteed price. And if I don't get that price, somebody pays me for at least being open to doing that. And so options create, I keep hearing, oh, well, aren't options risky? No, options create certainty in the prices that I'm willing to pay or I'm willing to get for my stock, right? I'm not just buying it at whatever the market deems is the current price. I set the price, and if I can't get that price, I still get a uh, instant dividend is the term we use, but I still get a premium. Yeah, and I think, um, at least for me, a lot of my hesitation early on with the options trading with some of those views, like you pulled up the chart and I mean, there's just a lot going on there and it can be scary. And I think over time, some of these platforms have made it easier to read the, the, the pricing, the volume, things like that. And so, um, definitely should incorporate options into your strategy. If no one's really uh, done it, feel free to jump in the workshop, get a little rundown, uh, some of the basics, of premium selling, AJ strategies, and see if this is something you can work with. Uh, I think on numerous occasions, AJ, you've said that um, you have clients that have portfolios as little as $3,000, right? That could implement some of these strategies. Yeah. Oh, uh, the smallest portfolio one of my clients came to me with is 800 bucks. Um, and yes, we can still find candidates that you can go for that. Awesome. So uh, moving forward, if anybody else has any other questions on any tickers, things like that, feel free to drop them into the chat, into the comments, send AJ an email, send us a message on a social. Uh, we'll add it into the mix and see if it's something that we could cover. Uh, all right. So it looks like we're going to continue to keep an eye on Russia, Ukraine um, mm -hmm. over the weekend. Um, and then next week, uh, I'm wondering if there's anything else that we're going to have to keep an eye on or if it's just going to be the same story moving forward. I mean, as boring as it may seem, uh, I think that all eyes are on war right now. Like we said today, that was a fantastic employment report on so many different levels. And it just went whew, over people's head because the, the, this geopolitical stuff uh, with crazy madmen out there running big militaries it's taking the taking taking people's attention yeah it's certainly taking my attention and uh, i'm going to try and uh, pay attention to something else over the weekend i'm personally excited for the new release of batman uh, i think i'm going to try and get that on my list robert pattinson is our is our new batman so we'll see if he is uh, up to par with some of the previous Batman legends. Um, do you have anything in the works for the weekend? Uh, there's a, a uh, circus performance. You know, I, I love being part of the whole circus community, trapeze and all of that stuff. So there's a circus performance in town here in Washington, D.C. that I think we're going to go. It's the first time I uh, that we were going out uh, in a live situation here and so i'm kind of stoked about it with the baby or without the baby no the baby's not vaccinated so we're not bringing the baby mm, not yet or you no, know plus it's past her bedtime sure uh but she'll get a taste of the circus at some point i'm sure 
You betcha. In fact, we're uh, speaking of that, we're so excited. We're hoping that uh, we're following closely how the FDA and the CDC evaluate the uh, baby vaccine because she'll be one of the first ones in line to get it because we just like our freedom. We, we definitely like to go out and have fun and we want her to be raised in a place where she's not afraid of doing that. Totally. And I know that on my end here on the West Coast, uh, things are starting to lax. So that's really exciting to see. And it's, you know, we're getting past this big asterisk in our history. And the other cool thing about it, I mean, not, and this is just my own opinion. I feel like that this whole topic of the pandemic became very divisive between people here. And now that everybody's on the same page, it's all opening up, knock on wood, that there's no more variants. Um, it's one less thing that we have to argue about, right? So I'm yeah. kind of cool. I'm kind of happy with that. All right. Awesome. Uh, any final words? Yeah. If you're thinking about exiting something rather than selling premium on it, I, I see that there, somebody's asking a question about that. I use... I identify whatever the channel it is in there. And if the underlying symbol bounces out of the channel in the direction you want it to go, and it goes about 140% on the retracement, that's a good place where I would make the decision of taking my money and running and finding the next best thing to sell premium on versus selling the premium. So if it's really jumped up there and, and I can move this retracement uh, ruler that I created on my charting, I can move it every day along with my trend, right? I can just align it every day and just use it as a little ruler. So right now on my ruler, I've got $28. So if the underlying symbol, if this pet meds, for instance, goes above $28, uh, I'd be like, give me the money. I'm out of here. I'm going to go find something else to invest in. I'm, I'm making a killing. Uh, so that's kind of my knee-jerk reaction on that. Otherwise, yeah, I'm just watching the news with the rest of you. And I'm taking some time to myself and to my family to not watch the news because I don't want to be depressed all the time. Yeah, unless it's good news and there's solutions and ceasefires and things like that. That's the news we want to see. Yeah. All right. With that, we're going to go ahead and close it out and catch everybody next week. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Bye, everybody.